Welcome to the Michigan Minds Podcast, a quick and informative analysis of today's top issues from University of Michigan faculty. Thank you so much for joining Michigan Minds. I'm very excited to have the opportunity to talk with you today and learn from you. So can you please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your role at the University of Michigan? Sure, thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Kentaro Toyama and I'm W.K. Kellogg Professor of Community Information at the University of Michigan School of Information. Thank you, and in what areas does your research focus? What I study is the impact of digital technology on society. Uh, a lot of the work that I do, for example, looks at how digital technology contributes to community development. And overall, what I find there is that technology's impact is to amplify the human forces that are already there. So if those human forces are positive, then the technology makes things better. But if uh, the human forces are corrupt or inefficient, then even the best technology doesn't turn things around. And in a recent op-ed for the conversation titled, With Human Surpass, Niche and Handmade Jobs Will Remain, you discuss the question of how human intelligence and creativity will be valued when machines become smarter and more creative than the brightest people. Can you share with us a bit about this article and your thoughts on how AI will change the creative workforce? Yeah, in the context of work, um, AI, as amazing as it is, is really just the latest in um, a whole you know, range of technologies uh, that have been taking on work that previously only human beings could do. So, for example, in a former era, you know, we had factory automation disrupting manufacturing jobs. And I think in the same way, uh, current AI will uh, probably disrupt creative class jobs. You know, what's, what's different this time around is that uh, the potential is for AI to basically, you know, lead us in a world in which pretty much everything that we think of as work could be done by machine, uh, and in some cases done better by machine than by people. And um, every time that happens, uh, you know, at least under the capitalist world that we live in, those jobs start to move or vanish because companies would rather uh, not have to deal with having to pay human beings who can only work for a certain amount of time, they're expensive, they need benefits. Uh, if you can do that with computer, um, why not? Or at least that's the way the reasoning goes. Thank you. There have been many trending videos and tutorials on social media that showcase how large companies like Google and Adobe are implementing AI into their platforms, from users receiving a brief summary when asked a question to realistic images being created using keywords. Can you talk about this generative technology and how you think it may impact how people perceive or trust what's shared online? From a technical standpoint, um, generative AI is really uh, remarkable. Um, I used to do research in computer vision in my uh, PhD program, and computer vision is a sub-area of AI. And I used to describe the holy grail of our field to be, you know, I give you an arbitrary photograph, and the computer uh, is able to provide a description of what that photograph is. And today, computers can do that. AI does that. And not only that, uh, with generative AI, it can actually produce images from text descriptions, which is even beyond what I was imagining uh, we'd be able to do in my lifetime. 
And so in terms of the technical capacity, generative AI is uh, really amazing. Um, and it's amazing that we're able to do it. And really a lot of these advances just came in the last, I would say five to 10 years. Uh, there is some point where suddenly everything clicked for us uh, technically, even though many of the core algorithms that underlie current AI existed you know, decades ago. And I think one of the big questions is, yeah, how will this affect us? And it's really, you know, it's really the stuff of science fiction. Um, uh, but I think it's now that it's become science fact, we'll have to deal with it. Uh, I see as many negative potential outcomes as there are positive ones. Um, and I think the question for us as a society is how we manage those negative outcomes. Thank you. You were recently featured on the Conversation Weekly podcast to talk about how access to chat GBT style tech is about to change our world. You spoke a bit about the fact that while there is always hope that as people gain access to better tools, their lives will improve, there is always a risk of misuse of new technology. Can you talk about this research and share with us a few key findings? Right. So my overall conclusions about digital technology, based on all the different kinds of work that I've done, is really that technology amplifies uh, whatever underlying human forces there already are. And um, the thing about human forces is that there are both positive and negative forces uh, all the time, even within individuals. You know, I have just as much a likelihood of being lazy and not doing my work as I do of doing productive work. And what uh, technology does, whether it's AI or not, is to amplify that. Now, I think of uh, the current generation of AI as being like the nuclear power of our time, meaning that it is an incredibly powerful technology. And especially, uh, you know, in a world in which all of us are basically living and sleeping with these very powerful computers next to us all the time, um, its potential to do great things is significant, but also to do great harm is just as significant. And I think the world is just now waking up to the possibility that we would have to regulate this technology much more. And again, I think the analogy to nuclear uh, power is, is relevant in that, you know, we as a, as a world managed to regulate nuclear power to the point where today, you know, there are only nine or 10 countries in the world that have, for example, nuclear weapons. And that's an amazing feat of kind of international cooperation um, and so on, and regulation. Uh, but I think we have to be just as careful. Uh, the challenge is with AI that it is um, so easily accessible and it's so easy to build the technology that you know, regulation will really have to go much further than um, regulation around nuclear technology. But I think it's just as necessary. And with artificial intelligence like ChatGBT becoming more common in everyday life, you spoke with Times Higher Ed about the struggle that universities and colleges are currently experiencing with hiring faculty and computer scientists that are able to teach these new emerging technologies. How do you think this shortage will impact learning about or the use of AI technology? Yeah, I remember about, um, I was probably a dozen years ago uh, when uh, companies like Google and Facebook and Microsoft were literally hiring as many AI scientists as they could. Uh, and some of my colleagues were, you know, leered away from one job to another with like salaries that were in the half a million dollar range. Um, and I remember there was a generation of PhD students who were also getting, you know, starting salaries that were easily $300,000, $400,000. And so 
there was a moment um, which pro probably has continued to some extent in which uh, the tech industry was hiring um, people who were able to uh, work with AI and to devise new AI algorithms as fast as it could. And then what happened was um, a lot of faculty were also hired away during that time. And we're now in a situation where because of that, simultaneously two things are happening. Um, we have more and more students who want to go into computer science. Uh, in fact, there's a well-known phenomenon right now that many of the computer science departments uh, across universities are all suffering from a situation where they, they have more demand than they can teach courses. Um, at the same time, you know, all the people who are potentially faculty teaching those courses are going into industry. And so there is a big question as uh, to how uh, we meet the need of educating um, a new class of people who will be working with uh, AI technologies. Um, having said that, I think it's also true that you know, we're also in danger of having computers program themselves. Uh, and that, does, that world seems increasingly closer and closer every day. To some extent, it's probably happening in very minor ways already, um, but I think we're headed for a world where jobs like software engineering will become rarer and rarer as many of them are uh, taken over by computers. Thank you. And thinking about the future possibilities of AI can seem intimidating for people who have never used technology like ChatGBT before. Do you have any recommendations for where people can learn more about AI or how to become more familiar with its abilities? Uh, well, this is where uh, technology is really helpful. Um, I mean, these days there's so much commentary around AI and what it might mean that, you know, just a simple Google search, I think we'll find uh, a lot of different things to read about. Um, with respect to ChatGPT, uh, you know, one of the things that was interesting is that that technology existed at least for a couple of years in some form um, before it was released to the public widely this past November. But it's been released, and at this point, anybody can pretty much try it. You can sign up for a free account, and you can try a free version of ChatGPT. Um, I would encourage anybody who's curious to try that. Uh, it is, it is amazing. I mean, you can basically have a you know conversation with a computer, which, for all intents and purposes, feels like having a conversation with another human being. You know, I think the tricky thing is to keep in mind that it is in fact a computer on the other side. Uh, we have such a tendency to want to you know see you know, versions of ourselves and everything that it's easy to anthropomorphize. And as our podcast comes to a close, we often like to ask our faculty expert, what is one thing you hope listeners remember from our conversation today? The thing that I would really hope everybody uh, feels is that, again, this is an incredibly powerful technology or range of technologies. Uh, again, I compare them to nuclear uh, power, uh, and that we desperately need regulation. Uh, some of that is beginning to happen, just beginning to happen, but as a public, we should be aware that regulating AI is a priority. And is there anything else you would like to share? Yeah, I will say that uh, whatever it is, AI has really hit its stride. Um, you know, for many decades, those of us who worked in AI felt like, you know, we made minor progress, but the thing that we were really after didn't quite happen. Well, it has basically happened. Uh, and from here on out, I think there will be an incredible acceleration of the rate at which the technology gets smarter and smarter. Um, what uh, Ray Kurzweil called the singularity, which is the moment when computing 
intelligence is equal to and then begins to exceed human intelligence, I think it's around the corner. It's going to change our world one way or another. It's exciting, but also incredibly frightening. And so we'll see what we do with it in the future. Dr. Toyama, thank you for sharing this information with us today and taking the time to talk with me. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Michigan Minds podcast, a production of the University of Michigan. Join the conversation on social media with hashtag UMichImpact.